0: Hi, all Welcome to the show, Tay Time. It's your host, Adela. During each episode of this podcast, I get the privilege to chat with inspiring and creative women from underrepresented backgrounds. I hope that you enjoy listening as much as I enjoy creating each episode for you. Welcome to episode six of Tay Time, And uh, on the episode this week, um, I'm joined by the amazing, the fabulous Tamina Begum. Hi Tamina, welcome and thank you so much for agreeing to chat with me
1: today. Honestly, it's such—I was just saying—it's such a pleasure. It's such an honor to be asked to do this as us, well, especially because I've listened to your podcast and yeah, it's just super nice when someone's like, "Oh, you might be smart. Come talk to me about possibly smart things." Because I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm smart! Like, wow." Um, but yeah, no, it's such. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for asking me to do this. It's so sweet. yeah. And we basically look the same. Like, I'm looking at your face. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I really am. I'm like we could be cousins. <laughs> <laughs> no, we could be twins, Tamina. Like, yeah,
1: literally, literally, we look very similar. But it's nice to like know you've got a doppelganger out there somewhere in case you like need cover for something. I don't know what you do cover for, but anyway.
0: <laughs> always good to have that backup option, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So Tamina Begum uh, is a writer, editor, and creative consultant. Uh, she's worked as a journalist for the past nine years. Her work has focused on centering the lives of Muslim women and women of color, Across, gang, gang. <laughs> I was gonna say gang, gang but then I'll finish bio. Yeah. <laughs> Across a multitude of topics such as politics, tech, lifestyle, fashion, cultural commentary, and more. She has contributed to publications such as HuffPost, ID, Days, and other, Glamour, Refinery29, uh, sorry, Gel Dem, and more. Bagum is also the creator of the Aram newsletter, which is amazing. I look forward to it every time it lands in my inbox, um, which has been recommended by the Sunday Time Style. Um, and the newsletter focuses on centering women of color and um, our relationships with joy and ease uh so much stuff that I want to talk to you about and I am so so grateful that you're here on the show um I kind of just want to dive in and get started but first off I am just gonna say that before I actually reached out to you before I slid into your dms (laughs) to ask you to come on the episode or or to come on the podcast I was so nervous because I was like I really don't want you to say no like I feel like I need to wait for the right time and then you shared the story where you're like I actually have so much to say so if somebody is like wanting to be on their podcast or whatever like I'll do it. <laughs> and that's when I yeah, was like I, guess, yes.
1: um, I just finished doing a talk it was like a obviously everything's online at the moment because of COVID but I just finished doing a um, talk for SAS, um, and which is like a South Asian women's collective and they had this whole session on sex and our relationship mm-hmm. with sex and obviously like we really it was like a Two-hour event, so like we really got into like the nitty-gritty, um, and then afterwards, like I do love speaking, like not to sound like a narcissist, I just I think it's because I've got like I've always been, you know, chatty-patty for free. So it's like, so whenever someone's like be on my podcast, I'm like, yeah, okay, come on. And then also like I just also had the feeling that we were on like a similar vibe, which sounds really like douchey, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so sweet that you felt that way because yeah it's just sweet because you're just because I would have just seen it in my dms and just been like of course like this is such a nice thing to be asked to do
0: well I'm so so happy and oh this is literally a dream come true so um let's get into it because there's so much that I want to talk to you about um first of all uh Ramadan Kareem we're in it we're in the thick of it yes yeah. yeah, so um, we're literally I'm halfway through 16 yeah. 17 days in wow it, how has it been for you um it's been tough uh you know I I think I always look forward to it and it always um and whenever Ramadan comes near I'm so excited and I and I get the sense of like I don't know it's just, it's just a month of ease and reflection um but at the same time like the fasting does take a toll on me because I like I'm a grazer you know I eat every two hours That's is what I do um so especially not having a family that I that I'm surrounded with and everybody's fasting it does make it a little yeah. bit lonely in that sense but I've learned to use it as an opportunity to strengthen my faith right that I can do that on my own and I and I don't need to rely on others but how yeah. how's it been for you
1: <clears throat> it's been an interesting one. First of all Ram- Ramadan Mubarak Ramadan Kareem especially everyone who's listening um but um I don't know when this will go out, so I don't know if it will be Eid by the time this goes out or something, but um, but um, first of all, I think doing, fasting by yourself, when you don't have family around, I used to live, I live myself, so that is really difficult. I'm waking up for Sehri or Suhoor or whatever you call it, um, or breaking your fast by yourself is actually really difficult because whenever I think of Ramadan, I think of it as such like a communal event. It's such a thing where you know your parents wake you up and you're like, okay, get up. There's not much time left to eat. And like you know, there's such a there's such a thing about um, even like praying together, or even if you didn't, even if you don't pray together as a family, there's definitely that thing of have you prayed yet? You know, like it's so normal to hear your parents say that. So, but I think my Ramadan's been interesting because last year. Even though it was our first Ramadan in lockdown in the UK, <coughs> excuse me, I um, found it to be like a great Ramadan in the sense that I felt real like solitude with God, and I felt like I really set. I felt like I was really like in tune with myself internally and spiritually, mm. emotionally, like, all that good stuff. Whereas this year, I think I compared my this Ramadan to the last Ramadan too much because yeah. this Ramadan I started off with like so many intentions so many goals and then by the first four days I was exhausted and I was mm-hmm. kind of like I felt like a really crap Muslim um but then I realized so one of my friends lives by herself Mariam and she, she's actually the editor for the book it's not by the burqa which I would highly highly recommend yeah. everyone um and because she lives by herself we like pray tarawih together which is really cute alhamdulillah um and like It's just nice to like FaceTime your friends. And also growing up, I didn't have loads of Muslim friends. So it's nice to be in my adulthood and have Muslim friends and women to relate to and like not having to explain everything to. but talking about Ramadan we were talking about me and Mary were talking about goals and things like that and talking to her it really helped me simplify my Ramadan because I think I started this Ramadan with like okay I want to read this book and I want to read this much Quran and I want to like learn these many surahs by the way learning surahs in your adulthood is hard yeah <laughs> I find it really hard to me- genuinely I don't know how people learn like memorize the Quran because I genuinely find it really difficult um so I genuinely feel like a big big up to anyone who does that but um But yeah, so I feel like I had to like, my Ramadan started off really busy and then I had to have a moment to be like, okay, you know what, I'm not a bad Muslim for like not completing all these goals. I need to take it back, I need to strip it back.
0: Mm -hmm. And then I
1: literally, with the goals that I'd written down, I like cross them all off and I started again. (laughs) And I was like, I genuinely did that. I was like, okay, I'm gonna actually just focus on like, when I pray to like really intentionally pray. Yeah. and try to read, like, Quran, like, in small and consistent ways. And yeah. that's it. Because before, I was like, I'm going to read this famous book about the prophet, and I'm, I'm going to do this. <laughs> and all great goals to have, but yeah. sometimes I think it can take you away from what it's about, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think, for me, I I really wanted to focus more on, I mean, I know I'm not the most consistent person when it comes to praying, and I'm, like, totally okay with saying that out loud, and it's, it's, it's become something that has become it's become a goal of mine right and it's become an intentional goal and I am so pleased with how it's been going um and I'm I'm really excited for the the growth that has to come but you know I can't compare with my mom she like finishes the Quran every Ramadan like (laughs) memorizes the you every week I'm like okay woman can't compete with you I feel this
1: so deeply because my mum does that, but also my grandma is like, so do because she literally finishes, she finishes it like six times over. Like yeah. It's like, she's one of those genuinely, yeah. like I'll be on it before. And she like, yeah, I finished it once over. I'm going to read it again. And I, and I think I have to remember that, you know, my grandma doesn't work. Like, you know, she's like, ret- like, you know, she, you know, she has that time. Whereas like, if you're waking up, even like, I think we don't talk enough about how sometimes even waking up for like, or sahur is difficult in itself. If you've got to be up for like eight, nine, mm. and you've got to wake up the night, and I feel like we need to almost not top ourselves on the back. or oh, actually, yeah, I think we need to almost be like, you know oh. what? We we do care enough to because when you're when sometimes before you head into Ramadan, I think it's normal to have a bit of anxiety to be like, okay, it's gonna really like shmush up my like schedule and how I usually do things. And I think mm-hmm. it's I think it's good to realize. I feel like that's iman to have yeah. that sense of like faith because yeah. you know this change is going to happen but for you to like really think about okay how can I implement it into my lifestyle I feel like we don't give ourselves enough credit that we do that if that makes sense because yeah. we're adults do you know what I mean like we can easily just not do it I mean, yeah. I do I have to remind myself that I could just easily like also not do it but because I care so much I think that I think God will see that too you know
0: yeah hopefully inshallah. I mean, inshallah, yeah, I say this. I'm like, please, it's the days <laughs> of forgiveness. That's what um, yeah, and, and like you, I, I had so many goals. I was like, all right, I'm going to make sure wake up for Sahur and then I'm going to work out, like, drink Sahur so I can also like, eat and drink and I can, like, get my gains, but also get my holy gains. I got this, you know? And then suddenly it's, like, five days and I'm, like, a weekly, I'm like, I can't do anything anymore. But... And I, and I felt like crap the first two weeks I was like you know what like something's got to give and I'm not working out yeah. and I'm not and I'm not being as present in my day I'm not being as productive during the day and I just stopped trying to fight that I stopped trying to yeah. beat myself up and yeah I've actually started to practice like uh what's it called like I have a morning ritual and, and I really like it. It's like waking up for suhoor in the morning and then, you know, making sure I, I drink all that water, I eat whatever I eat. But then instead of trying to force myself to go back to bed so that I can wake up at eight and do all the stuff I wanted to do, I just gently wake up. I I, I pray, I, I'll i stretch, I'll do a little bit of like yoga and just make sure that I feel good spiritually first. And then I know that it doesn't really matter what else comes in the day? Because I know that I've done probably one of the hardest bits of the day, right? Um, That's yeah. actually a good point. I even think about it like
1: that. I've already done one of the hardest bits of the day, which it's actually so true. Because I do think actually the one thing in Ramadan I've never really thought about is how, by the time it's like suhur and like by the time it's for the second prayer of the day, you already do feel like you've accomplished something, which yeah. actually. Is- like think about you feel so
0: accomplished if you actually register it and acknowledge it and give yourself like you said the pat on the back you've accomplished so much
1: yeah because again we could easily not do it and for the people who are listening and they don't do it i think that's absolutely fine i think i don't like that whole like ramadan muslim or that kind of judgment any time of the year because i just think like i like i always say like you know you could be you could go to the mosque you do the whole full 20 records of therapy and God may not still accept your prayer. I mean, I hope that's not the case, but do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it could not sincere your prayer, whereas someone else could do like two, you know, two rakah prayer, and it could be accepted. So it's like we just really don't know. But I do think, I do genuinely think we need to be like easy on ourselves. Um, Because, again, like, okay, so I was in therapy. I sound like such an American. (laughs) I was in in therapy, and thank God, every day, alhamdulillah, my therapist is a black Muslim woman, and I don't know what I would do without her, but genuinely. Um, So grateful to God that I actually found... uh, Anyway, that's a whole other thing. But I was in therapy, and I was like... This was, like, after the first week of Ramadan, and I was, like, crying, because I was just like... I don't usually feel guilt. Like, I know for a lot of women, guilt is something that they carry around with them, Mm. whereas I and say that I don't actually feel guilt a lot and I think it's because unless I've done something bad I think it's because maybe I if I if the minute I feel bad I might act upon something yeah does that make sense quite solution-based because so, I don't like that feeling so I'll like whatever it is if it's an apology I need to give or all of that kind of stuff but that week it was really horrible because it was the first week of Ramadan and I felt guilt and I was talking to like my therapist and I was just like I don't I'm not even doing like 20 records of like extra prayer at night. yeah <laughs> Doing this, like I wanted to, like continue doing my dance workout like all these things, and she mm-hmm. was like, "Yeah, like all the fact that you care so much, and the fact that you know, you know, all the things that you're already doing inside you. For example, you're already, as she goes, I'm sure internally saying no to things that you would like usually do, right? Um, and and she was like all of that counts as well. And I was just like, yeah, I feel like we're so sometimes focused on having a quote-unquote balanced lifestyle, yeah, that we. We forget that balance could balance is a long game. It could happen over two months. It doesn't have to happen in that one week, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no. Ramad,
0: like Ramadan guilt is definitely a thing. I think Ramadan guilt for me also manifests in how I've like been labeled as a Ramadan Muslim, like for yeah, most of my life. And like, yeah, it's really not fun. It's like just it. It makes you feel less of a Muslim. It makes you feel less of a like of a person, and it also makes you feel less worthy of mercy or of love or of care of or to be or less welcomed in a community you know and I feel like that kind of that kind of judgment is just so not it's, it's just not welcome and it's just over I don't know not not required
1: really I'm so sorry that you've had gone through that that's genuinely like, really on behalf of the umma <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm really sorry but also I think just as you were saying that, on one side, I would I could argue that, okay, like it's only in the past like 18 months, two years, I started like praying more consistently, alhamdulillah. And that's only because I went through like a whole situation in 2019 where like, I was having like a whole like quarter life crisis. And the only thing that was bringing me peace would be like literally prayer. But before that, I like, I can say that, like, honestly, I didn't pray a lot kind of thing. And I would actually say, if you're, let's say a Quran non Muslim, surely Ramadan is a bigger mountain for you to climb because you're not doing prayer regularly if that makes sense whereas if you're doing prayer the other 11 months of the year or you're doing things that already are within Ramadan maybe Ramadan in some ways is easier for you kind of thing Mm -hmm. and you know however if you're a quote-unquote Ramadan Muslim maybe it's not as easy for you and maybe there's more reward in that does that make sense like the fact that you're willing like a whole month to recognize and to Mm -hmm. be like you know I'm going to have a change because I feel like when you're grown change is hard. Like, especially when you're trying to change yourself, change is quite slow. So for you yeah. to be like, actually for this month that I know it's coming up, I'm going to do this and put God first and like, you know, put others and charity and other things first. That's a big
0: deal. I it feel is, like again, yeah. like a huge step back, you know? Oh, I'm so glad I can talk to you about this. Like it's honestly like weighing on my mind because I, I don't have, you know, other people who are practicing or are observing Ramadan who are close to me in London. And I, and I kind of lack that community, which is why it was, it was, I just wanted this opportunity to like, talk to you about it. Because I know that you write a lot about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's very funny because only recently, I would say since doing the Aram, my newsletter, um, is that only, mm, I would say end of 2019, I started like adding words like Alhamdulillah or like Inshallah or just like Arabic words or even like Bengali words or yeah. if anyone listening to this and doesn't know I'm bad in Bengali, bad in Bengali every day. But yeah I've only even like inserted that into my language. I feel like we don't talk about, about that enough you know like growing up it was it, people I can sound so bad but people who would constantly be like okay inshallah to everything it was kind of seen as like oh they're very religious they're very mm. devout they're not maybe in touch with like oh, I've got to go to school I can't just say inshallah to my teacher do you know what I mean yeah whereas like, um and that's coming from like someone who went to like you know a, like a state um British school you know um and what I'm trying to say is that it's only recently that I started adding that into my language sometimes I throw it into an email like I just, you know, that's even great. You just normalize it. Yeah. Yeah, And I feel like, cause at one point I was just like, I, was, I literally remember writing this email ending it, and be like, okay, inshallah, will, we'll speak on Thursday for our meeting. And I took it out and I was like, hold on, wait, why am I taking it out? Yeah. Like, all it means like, you know, like God willing, it's literally all that means in um, Arabic. So I think it's also about like normalizing smaller things. And again, like understanding that if you haven't been practicing before, there's so much Muslim guilt when it comes to, I talk about this a lot with friends, there's so much Muslim guilt when it comes to not practicing before and then trying to practice Mm -hmm. because people are like, well, you did this and this and this. And even in your mind, you're like, well, you did this and you sinned this way or whatever. But I feel like we're not, well, I wasn't raised in a way where it was like, well, God's more merciful than any of that. And like, God talks about forgiveness and mercy over double the times that he talks about punishment in the Quran itself. So I feel like, when, inshallah when I raise my kids I want them to feel like oh if they want to come back to God they can always if that makes sense
0: that's that's yeah. really nice I mean like that is so encouraging to hear and, and, and it must have been really nice to have that encouragement uh, or rather that approach to Islam like growing up I know that for me like my mom definitely takes more of the fire and brimstone approach <laughs> no that's what my mom does and she still does genuinely yeah. so I didn't have that growing up but the one
1: thing I will say I did have is that I had like, my dad was so great in the sense that he just gave us the general education of it. So he gave mm-hmm. us the background of things. He wasn't just like, as a culture, this is what we do. He was like, no, actually, this is like, so I kind of had that education, but yeah. I definitely had like, my mom's definitely um, a bit more of the, everything's good now or like everything's punishment. Everything's like, if you don't do this, whereas we now have to as adults, like as her adult children have to tell her, actually, like no like I'm sorry if you and also I think sometimes we're raised in a way definitely if you're sunni muslim as well you're raised in a way where if you don't do the sunnah for things mm. it's seen as like punishment yeah Whereas in reality it's like no that's just an extra thing that's recommended it's not there's a difference between a recommendation and a punishment and I think yeah. for me in adulthood that was like a really interesting it sounds so like woo woo but like <laughs> to I had to really unlearn like yeah. in the past couple of years like I'm trying to like find peace through prayer and all these different things um I had to really unlearn a lot of the shit basically that I was taught like you know okay if you've done this you know if you've you know done one of the major sins then you can't like come back to God and it's like well hold on like it does not say anything like that kind of thing it's,
0: it's definitely like a lot of unlearning is is the right phrase you know I mean I was growing up, I was taught like if you're bleeding on your period like you're dirty you can't yeah. be near yeah. you can't touch a quran you can't read the quran you can't dua you you, you i remember like, i remember when when i was um on umrah with my family and so we were in like mecca i think and yeah. you know my mom was like telling me like oh like you have your period you can't leave your room because you're on holy ground you if you walk around then it's like sacrilegious yeah. and i was just like remembering just feeling so guilty for just like being a woman and I being mean I was like yeah. I was like okay I had to like really do something dramatic for myself to to, yes. to kind of understand like or find my own way in my in my faith and like um and so that brought me to Asma Barlas her book and I know uh, that you wrote her. I oh met I her. I met her. I know I was so de- I was looking at your photo on the article that uh. like, you were with her. I was like, I am so jealous. I love this. Oh one. my
1: god. Honestly,
0: like one second. I'm just gonna close the window because it's really yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, for anybody listening, um, the author that I just mentioned, her name is Asma Barlas. Um, and she wrote a book called Believing Women in Islam. And for me, it's a book that I hold very close, very dear to my heart. Um, And I go back to it, you know, especially in times where I feel anger and grief about patriarchy and misogyny in Islam or like how things are, especially when it's weaponized, right? And then your faith is weaponized against you using all like this misogyny and patriarchy. I, I really use that book to help me understand and trying to separate like the men and the people from the faith and God. Um the piece is very thought provoking. Um and I just yeah um Tamina wrote a really great article and she also met <laughs> the author jealous. Um, um, oh. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Like I know that you think very highly of her but I would love to hear from you. I yourself. think also like Dr. asma Az- Ballas is like
1: an incredible also female scholar. She's been this is her life's work across so many books. She works in um oh, it's not transliteration. it's called I can't remember what the phrase is called it's like
0: oh I I, I know what you're talking about um, uh. it's not
1: transliteration. it's basically what she does is that she really looks closely at like her- so hermeneutics
0: in, I can't say yeah hermeneutics yes there
1: yes. we go so that, that's what her work's in and I completely agree like believing women in islam the reason why i love it so much is because it does exactly that especially when your faith is weaponized against you against other people of the same religion that's another layer it's different yeah. when it's like hardcore outsiders or people who might not just get it kind of thing yeah but when it's actually done under a religious setting or when it's done by people of like who share who are connected to you in the bond with faith that you have like that I think for me, Dr. Asimbalis does such a great job in like really, really debunking all these like myths that Islam is patriarchal against women. Um, And so the reason why I met her was because I wrote that feature for Amalia and Amalia asked me to go um, to this, almost like a round table with um, Dr. Asim Bars and the other, I would say like nine people in the room, they were all working within faith but in complete different ways where they, they may have been like, like Aina Khan was there, who mm-hmm. is an incredible lawyer, um, is so like, works with Muslim women on so many different cases, um, works a lot with like Muslim women trying to get divorced in the UK and like trying to find out what's reasonable that culture versus religion, because that's a whole other dispute. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I think what's amazing that Dr. Asim Farris is that I think it doesn't matter what what kind of culture you come from. We've all learned like misogyny essentially. And we've all learned like the misogynistic version of the Quran. Whereas what she does is that she really, really strips it back. Like all the quotes from the Quran that are used against Muslim women by non-Muslim people or by even Muslim people, she really just like strips that back. So she even like, so whether it comes to like men marrying more than one, one, you know, why can men have four wives and women can't have four husbands or whether it's like um, divorce in the Quran, like what it said to women in the Quran, whether it's like, um, what's that word? When like, um, when you, like inheritance, all those things, yeah. um, the period, all of that kind of stuff. And because like you said, like I was graced in a way where it was like, oh, if you're, if you're on your period you're dirty you shouldn't like sit in like different places around the house or like you shouldn't like sit where the where the where the quran may be near which is so false and it really took me until my adult adulthood to learn like the reason why the quran like you don't pray in the traditional way when it comes to um being on your period is not because god thinks you're dirty it's because god like appreciates how much we go through as women in Mm -hmm. that week and I really think like it's so interesting because now that I write about women's health topics and now when I speak to like women's health specialists, all these specialists are saying to me what we've done wrong in our feminism in the West is that we've almost tried to like become men in yeah. the sense that we've tried to like override what's happening to us like physically every month and try to like work like men. or We've tried to like instead of actually creating rules that benefit women, if that makes sense, we've just tried to like do what they do kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um so that's why I find like when it comes to like periods and things like that, that's why I feel very like empowered by actually by the Quran. The fact that we don't have to fast, like we have to really remember this is like the holy month of our religion. Every year it's such a big deal. And the fact that God's like, do you know what your body is worth more than your prayer to me, that's a big yeah. deal.
0: Yeah.
1: And to and and to for you and also for God to be like, you know what, your but like also when you I don't know if anyone knows this listening to this but or maybe it's common knowledge I only found that recently but when you're on your period your prayers are already done for you oh I like didn't your know prayer, that like, yeah you're fast and your prayers you make them you make it fast afterwards but your prayers are already done for you because God just accepts that you would have done it anyway oh love that I didn't know
0: that that's so heartwarming I oh I my
1: think god for me, it's really radical actually like learning about islam perhaps you feel the same way like on your own terms without yeah. that kind of fire and like brimstone kind of like um attachment to islam so yeah yeah i love like, how this conversation is by the way
0: yeah i mean it's, it's just really empowering you know and I, and I and i have similar conversations with my sisters and with close friends um who yeah. who think similarly or 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 have this hesitancy um because of the way that the faith has been weaponized against us, other whether it be by outsiders or by um, other Muslims and you know I've, I've been trying to talk to my mom about this because I understand that even though she's perpetuated all these things and repeated them it's out of love you know because she yeah. only wants That's the best she really wants you to be up in heaven with her she's like I don't want to leave anybody <laughs> behind okay <laughs> like, let's do yeah. it yeah. together and, and um, <laughs> it's it's really cute because I've been talking to her, and usually, like one of her sisters, one of my aunties will be like in the background or in this or another room, and she'll overhear our conversations. And one of my aunties was like, Hey, can you, um, would you mind send, send, sending me the names of those books, please? I really want to read. And it just, oh I, I love so, so much. You want me to recommend you books about the religion? I am so much younger than you. Like, keep in mind, in like, especially a lot of Southeast Asian cultures, like, age is such an important thing right like important sure. important thing. yes so when your elder asks you for like knowledge it's i'm, I'm so humbled i'm like oh Yeah, that I was thinking and it's also such a it's so nice because
1: I do think we come from a culture where it's like age is such a big thing but also it's that thing of like I'm your elder I'm your mum I can say whatever I want I'm your aunt I can say whatever I want to you and you'll just have to take it as fact kind of thing that's like that's a really big thing and I also think when you grow up in a religious environment and that's the way it's been done sometimes that can be quite dangerous if the ideas in itself aren't what islam teachers or it's it's actually perpetuating misogyny
0: yeah.
1: um injustices but i think that's so sweet the fact that she was like please send me or like send me the names of the books i also think sometimes our mums like mums about you know their generation sometimes all they need is someone of their own generation to be like hey this is what i read do you mm-hmm. want to like what i found? you know some just their age mates to tell them sort of like they're annoying kids do you know what i mean like yeah. having having that is really important and I think I think it's like small things isn't it like just having so for me I didn't really I don't know about you but the mosque was always a very male dominated place growing up yeah um and I didn't really go to the mosque ever like I remember <laughs> I remember being in primary school and someone asked me they were like oh like how many times do you go to the mosque a week just like randomly, I went to a very white primary school and I was like I've never been. Like, general, <laughs> and were like what? Like I think, and I was like, oh no, like boys go. and I, and I didn't realize actually. Again, it's not necessarily what Islam teaches. It's just the way that we've done things for a long time. Yeah. Um, just because it's been, it's been more convenient to create a male space instead of a female space. Do you know what? I, like it's just things like that. And I think, do you know what's interesting? Actually, um, traveling while trying to be a practicing Muslim is really it's really interesting especially because I'm not like a visibly like a visible Muslim woman yeah yeah so in just before the pandemic I went to Malta and there isn't like it's interesting because like Malta is um it, it's based on like I always describe Malta as like the culture is like Italian and like Middle Eastern culture combined together mm-hmm. and they're, even their language is based on like Arabic and things like that. However, there isn't a huge like Muslim population there. So I remember when I was out and about and I was trying to find like a mosque to pray in um, and there was like this like one tiny one in like the main city. Um, and- I remember getting there and obviously I was just like a sundress a floppy hat <laughs> I had my head off and my bag like I was it was just one of those things when I had like sandals wasn't really wearing leggings it wasn't yeah. a, like you know yeah. had like my nails painted or like halal and all that. but still like you know everyone yeah. so I got there and like there was only like a few men coming together to like to pray in the mosque and they looked at me and I was just like do you have a women's only space and obviously like and they were like oh um we didn't think about this because no one's ever really done this and like especially not like tourists yeah um, they like went to the back room and the back room just had like extra like musalas and zainas yeah and, like, all these different blankets and things like that um, and they just moved them out of the way and it was hella dusty but they were like we're so sorry and I was like no it's fine but also I was thinking it's so mad because I'm sure Muslim women go to holiday there a lot but they just don't feel like they can do that do you know what I mean and I yeah. think in our own- Time, it's about really like reclaiming those spaces mm-hmm. um, and being actually no I'm just as Muslim as you and I deserve to like have a place to pray in the most like respectful way you know yeah um, so, Yeah. Tr- yeah trying to be practicing in the past few years has been a very radical thing for me because I never thought I would be I always had faith but I never thought I'd be trying to like do those act like that or even like when I go to like um East London Mosque and like, I, just having like to speak with like certain uncles, I'm like, no, no, this is our space. You can't come into it, kind of thing. Yeah, you know. And I know I would be that auntie in the corner doing that. But
0: here we are. There's always that auntie in the corner holding a chair, <laughs> like a foldable chair. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you always. Yeah. Um, and actually, this leads me to uh your con- like your piece in the in the book Mixed Feelings, which I have right here. Um you, I'm just going to read out one line from that, because I, I just felt like it was the last line of the article or the piece, and it really resonated with me. Um, it says, there's no point in technology progressing and social media evolving if our minds and how we see Muslim women aren't also moving ahead. Um, I'm not going to read the rest of the piece because I want people to buy it and read it <laughs> and appreciate it in all its glory. Um, okay. But I wanted to ask. Um, I want to ask you: How do you see yourself contributing to the, the ways people see Muslim women and, and the change that that they see? It's such an interesting question. I don't think about it. I it's just walk around. Yeah, because we're like in it, right? We're living that change.
1: Yeah, you know? yeah. That's interesting. Like even that phrase "living that change." I don't walk around thinking oh, this is how I'm going to help Muslim women. Oh. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but i genuinely and do you know what I've never written from that place I've never written from a place of for me actually writing from a place of this is what my audience needs yeah is actually dangerous for me because i don't i feel like sometimes then you're trying to cater to everyone and everything and you know missing moment are not a monolithic force you know yeah um and so i don't Even I find it very, very touching when people read my work or buy my work or like any in any medium or like even you know with the Arab newsletter, you can donate, you know, because it's free. So you can like buy me a coffee. But I find it very sweet when people like buy me a coffee and they sent me like a huge like letter and they're like, this is how you've helped me. And I'm just like, I don't try to, I don't, I don't think this is a selfish thing, but I don't move around the world thinking, this is how I'm helping words and women. I move around the world thinking, how am I? genuinely being my most sincere self that's also very humble to be Muslim at the same time like I, I don't take it for granted that the fact that I have this faith and I don't take it for granted that I try not to take it for granted that I have an anchor and mm. I think in recent times a lot of people don't have anchors and um, but the way that I've always seen anything it's so funny because I read a quote about Aquariuses that do this and I'm trying to <laughs> At the same time, I'm like, this is fucking kind of true. Sorry, I saw but like, you know, like this is. Like, right. I swear like, all the time with this. One. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but like, um, but also like, it's about. I've always come from a place of like, if my dream or the work that I do every day only includes me, then it's too small. That's how I've always done it. So yeah. even when I write features, it's funny because editors sometimes the journalism only expect a couple of voices. But my thing is, well, like, two voices won't do. Like, it always has to be more than like I never ever want to tell anyone it doesn't have to be you don't have to be a Muslim woman I don't want to tell anyone that this is the only way to do things because I believe that for anything um so it's I don't move around the world thinking this is how I'm affecting Muslim women however I at the same time saying all of that I totally accept the privilege that I'm in in the sense that I I'm not a dark skinned woman. So I can navigate certain spaces easier. I have always grown up around white people, genuinely. So when I'm in an all white space, I actually feel like it's normal. Like I don't feel, I I actually feel like it's something special when I'm around black and brown people. And that's just, that's just the norm. I think that's incredible because I've never really had that growing up. Um, And I also don't take it for a 2nd don't take it granted. I don't take it for granted for a second um, that I'm able to do this for a living, you know? But I also, what I've recently started doing, because again, this is what, this has been my journey in trying to like unlearn, like Islam, is that I've like learnt duas or prayers to like expand knowledge so it helps people. And I think that's my thing, like I've always looked at think this comes from my dad as well my dad is so knowledgeable but he's also so kind with his knowledge because I've met a lot of people whether it's at university or in the workspace where they are so smart but they're also so arrogant and that really bothers me that genuinely really bothers me so I always try to like hold in both hands that I'm not trying to like be some kind of an idol to anyone because I don't think I think we're humans, we're all very fallible, more than anything else. Um, And that's a beautiful thing in itself. But in the same breath, I'm trying to also remember that like, okay, the space that I do occupy, how can it be that I can always like help other women, essentially, always, always women first, always like women, Um, and then like, you know, women of color and like Muslim women, especially.
0: I feel Um, like, I feel like everything that you've said really encapsulates the Aram, your newsletter, And I really want everyone listening to subscribe and support this amazing newsletter because every time it lands in my inbox, I stop everything I'm doing. I could literally be writing a report for my supervisor and I'm like, nah, sorry, I'm going to read this right now. So please tell everyone listening about your newsletter and about what drives you to to produce a a, a new letter every other week, right? It's it's twice a month. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, please don't get fired
1: because the Aram, because I cannot be like, <laughs> responsible. I mean, you can live in my house, but I'm just a bit like, I can't be responsible for anyone. Um, <laughs> um, so the Aram came out in, actually came out on International Women's Day in 2020. So it's been just over a year. Oh, wow. And, and I, it's funny because that was on accident like I didn't mean to do that and then I realized the day it was coming out and I was like oh I better tweak it to like International Women's Day a bit Um, and the reason why I'm inspired by that is because I've been a journalist for like nearly a decade which is mad to say or I should say I've been a working writer for nearly a decade Um, and it's funny because when I started off in journalism like 2011-2012 there wasn't Space for conversations, even about like women of color, didn't have like their their publications like we have Gal today or so many others. You know, there wasn't like it was like a one op-ed maybe every six months. I think that's incredible to see the change in that. It's nice to also have worked in journalism before that and to see how much it's grown in the past decade. Um, however, saying that being a journalist in the past like decade, all I well, a lot of what I see when it comes to the stories that we write about is that are just stories of trauma and stories of like shit that we've gone through essentially. And I think those stories are so important. They're so fundamental. Unfortunately, women's pain will always sell which is a really hard thing I had to learn when I worked in book publishing for like mm. a, a short summer. Um, and but what i want to do with aram because aram in um, bengali means ease and comfort
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: someone thought i was doing a play on ha- um, haram har- like haram like like a, like, a, like a haram and i was like bro i'm not trying to like be in hell so let's not but again aram that's completely the wrong direction <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> literally um but um but no um Aram in Bangalore means ease and comfort and when I, and even like it, there's not even like a word in English to translate it it just means you know when you're cozied up and you feel such like peace and rest that is literally the encapsulation of the word and I wanted to create a newsletter that essentially shares our stories of joy and I wanted to capture women and I wanted to ask some questions like what brings you ease right now what's helping you relax because when you interview women especially high-profile women of color across the arts and across the industry very rarely are they asked that they're asked of like this struggle they're asked of like what hurdles did you conquer to get here you know and I want to be like no actually honey tell me about your spa day like tell me about like yeah. and what what are you reading? What are the platforms brings you a lot of ease right now? I wanna talk about, but the, also the way that Aram structured is that at the beginning there's a bit of like a monologue for me essentially, like whatever I might be going through that week. Um, and in that bit, I try to like encapsulate like our relationship with ease and joy and how sometimes that's not easy. Like in a pandemic, I've written a lot about how, you know, sometimes it's really recognizing the fact that doing nothing is still doing something. Um, and like, you know, enduring, it's not a very sexy act, but it's, we're still doing something, yeah. you know, like we're still doing something. And I think talking about it from that perspective and trying to be as honest as possible because within all my writing, I think, you know, the nice thing, it's like that quote, the nice thing about being a writer is that you get to live twice, you get to live again in your writing. Um, but the one thing I've always tried to do in my writing um, is bring not just a sense of integrity, but also be as honest as possible um, and I hope that Aram does that. I really hope that Aww. people get that.
0: It does. It's a big giant hug. <laughs> and it's people it all the time. Really? So- <laughs> yeah, they're always like, I feel like I've been hugged, and I'm like, that's so funny because that's just so sweet. I love that. Um, and I am so happy for everyone listening to share and subscribe. I actually was just about to forward the recent newsletter to my sisters because they were like asking me, like, what are you reading now? And I'm like, I'm reading this amazing newsletter, which you should definitely read. <laughs> um, just before we end, I kind of want to ask some rapid fire questions to you. Um, right. which creatives have inspired you recently? If you had to like name like three, three, like three or five, or just three. I'm not gonna three. I'm three. three, three. Okay, okay. okay.
1: I only have three oh my god um ah okay I just had for the hour I'm one of my best friends but actually an incredible creative Lamisa Khan from Muslim Sisterhood mm-hmm. and actually cre- they've just um created a fundraiser to help um children in Syria so for Ramadan so please oh, go donate to that. yeah um cl- I can't remember who it's in collaboration with I'm so sorry Muslim Sisterhood but they've done it and they've nearly raised like five grand which is incredible yeah um so I love like obviously Lammy's like also my girl but also I love the fact that so much of the work for Muslim Sisterhood not only is it an incredible collective and you know shows off incredible photography but also um, always has a way to come back to community in a really honest way and not just yeah. like in a buzzword way um, and always like is charitable. Um another person that's inspiring me is again this these are like I feel very like I'm shouting at my best friends but genuinely this is the case like I feel very honored to be in these kind of spaces um the person that's inspiring me is um like my cousin also like my limb alhamdulillah uh, mashallah, because um she runs Fahima Jalani runs like this incredible food platform called Mosa Mosa Mm -hmm. and she always does incredible charitable work feeding like the homeless or feeding like um refugees or migrants that may not have had a hot meal that week um, yeah. and she uses like um British boundary, British British fusion cuisine to do that which I think is sick and it's delicious um and, okay a last creative I would say Farzana from textbook beauty her Instagram is textbook beauty bro not only is this woman fine like genuinely (laughs) fine like fine but her like get ready with me looks and like again she has such ease in the way that she goes about her business like not only does she have like fab studios because she's a graphic designer and again another one of my girls but genuinely she's her get ready with me is so relatable but also so inspiring the colors that she puts together the way she blends makeup and there's something quite humbling about the way that she goes about her business as well. Like she's not like very shouty about it, Mm. but I do think it's great when women are shouty about it because we we need to be shouty. Yeah, we we should be shouty. Yeah, Yeah. but there's something about her that's like, just humbling, but also very hardworking. And she, and I guess her thing is that she doesn't need to be shouty because it's already excellent as it is. Does that make
0: sense? Yeah, Um, speaks for itself.
1: Yes, I would say Lamisa Khan from Muslim Sisterhood, Mosa Mosa, I think the Instagrams Mosa Mosa UK and Textbook Beauty, so at Textbook Beauty, those three. And also, I just realized they're all bad in Bengali, which I'm always <laughs> here for, always here for. Um, and one last final question, what are you currently reading? Oh my God, this is actually such a great question for right now because I'm reading the best book ever. I'm reading um, Conversations in Love, on love no conversations on love and it's by i want to get her surname right one second Um, natasha loon okay i'm saying that right yeah so she's got a newsletter actually called conversations um yeah conversations on love um i always say it's in love but it's actually on love um and i followed that newsletter for, for years now and every newsletter it's literally about a different conversation on love but it could be about sibling love friendships and the book is phenomenal, it's not, I've, I'm not joking. I will send a picture of this to you. I've almost like highlighted every page so far and I'm like on page 60 something. Um, and it's literally a book that talks about, so every chapter is something different on love. So the first book is about the difference between longing and loving, which mm-hmm. I think is really interesting uh, because I'm here for all of that. Um, and then the second chapter is on like the unknown in love. Oh. Um, and. What I love about it is that she's not just talking about romantic love, every single chapter, she has her like personal story thread through it, but then she's also talking to incredible writers like Roxane Gay, or like philosophers like Alain de Alain, Alain Botton, um, and also like people like Dolly Olderton, or she's speaking to like Candice Carty Williams, yes. Um, and you know, all these, and every single chapter is a different conversation. Um, with like a, a few different people on this one topic, um, so Candice talks about like how she finds she, it's easier for her to love her friends than a romantic partner. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope I'm getting that right because again, like there's so many different writers in the book that I might be getting all confused. But um, but I like Aisha Malik, who's the author of like um, Sophia Khan is not obliged. Um, uh, she she spoke recently about well in the book she speaks about um how for her like relationships and family have always been wavering but her faith hasn't been and wow. through her faith she speaks, like love people um so yeah it's like talking about love in like it's vastness yeah but it's also really touching so I would de- and it's um on pre-order right now because I got a pre- I got sent a proof copy
0: that's like the oh, perks what? of being writer yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay I will definitely buy that uh book when it comes out uh because I, I do need to read because right now I'm just like bogged down in like my fantasy fiction and I need to like kind no, of that's fine what are you reading oh my god I'm reading um I just finished the Grisha verse, which is like the shadow and bone what just came out on Netflix but I read all the <laughs> books they're like okay, are they- they're like not bad they're fun you know and they're easy to read which is what I need right now in my life <laughs>
1: Yeah, I actually want to read. This is so random, but I felt like nature was healing the other day because I went to TK Maxx and I was like, "Oh my god, I haven't been to a shop since like December." But um, but I bought this random like book, um, and it's about like from the perspective of Cupid, but it's like a teenage chick flick essentially. Um, and I bought it because I was like, I also don't like this thing of like people just feeling like they have to read smart books all the time. I'm yeah. like reading for like pleasure, and I need to find actually like a thriller because I haven't read a
0: thriller in a long time I thriller scare me I just scare it very easily
1: <laughs> I get scared easily but it's funny because I can't read any I can't watch anything that's horror and I can't watch anything that's thriller
0: but I can read it it doesn't like I it's, don't know why it's the, the writer it. in you you know it's the writer in you yeah
1: I don't know but um but yeah I hope anyone who's like listening um got to take something from this and also got to follow those amazing creators at the end because I just you know what and even when I look at women like you it makes me genuinely so happy how sick we are like it makes me genuinely (laughs) so gassed like that we get to be in this generation where we're very like encouraging of each other very supportive and there's like a genuine sisterhood Mm -hmm. of like you know we could all be doing the same thing but it's like no I'm so bloody proud to see this exist you know
0: it um, really, really it feels me. like that. Like I just, even if I'm tired coming into these conversations, I always feel so energized after each one. Mm-hmm. So yeah, thank, thank you so much. much. I really, really, really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Tay Time. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Spotify and follow me on Instagram at tay.time